Welcome back, everyone, to There is a River podcast. After a longer than normal break between episodes, it's been so long that maybe I need to welcome myself back here. But in any case, thank you for joining us once again as we try to dig deeper into what it means to drink deeply and fully uh, from the river of life that's offered to us in Christ. And I want to start off this episode with a question. And that question is, how do you feel about the phrase, the best is yet to come? What what chord does that strike with you? Um, and I say on purpose, how do you feel about it? Because if we were asked, you know, if we're Christians and we're asked to objectively say whether this is true or false, true or false, the best is yet to come. Well, of course, considering eternity with Christ is ahead of us, we'd have to say, yeah, definitely true. But I wonder if our feelings and our day-to-day life reflects that. How how does it feel for you? Maybe it, maybe it doesn't feel true. Just plain and simple doesn't feel true. Maybe it feels true, but a long way off. Like, yes, eternal life with heaven is is coming. That's what I'm waiting for. It's going to be delightful beyond anything I can comprehend. But as for now, uh, I don't see much that is the best or better coming my way. I don't know. And maybe maybe it does feel true. Even if it does feel true, I say keep listening. I think you'll, you'll be encouraged. Um, while you ponder that, I want to sort of introduce how this question, a couple of ways this question came up for me. First of all, I got to, I was encouraged by several people actually, to spend some more time this week, this year, during what many traditions label Holy Week, leading up to Easter, to spend more time dwelling on the things that took place during that week, especially starting on that on that Thursday. And so I did, and the fruit of it was, was really beautiful. Being aware that Thursday evening letting myself take time to to imagine those things in my in my head and to dwell on what it might have been like to be there as Jesus sends his disciples to prepare the Passover meal that he he desired so deeply he said to to eat with them before he suffered um his disciples going to prepare Jesus arriving and then washing their feet teaching them how to to truly love and truly serve, to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then the, you know, what a shock it must have been, um, but also how beautiful for him to interrupt the normal Passover meal, instituting the Lord's Supper, declaring to them things they didn't quite understand probably yet. This is my body, which is broken for you and taking the cup and saying, this is my blood which is shed for you. And all that that has meant to all who follow Christ throughout the ages since then, him going that evening to pray in the garden and praying so so passionately with all of his being and his, his true and real distress and anguish there and him going back to find his disciples asleep who who didn't wait and watch and pray with him even an hour. And then, of course, Judas coming, betraying him, 
them taking him from the garden. Peter's out outburst of defense for Christ, but but not in the way that was necessary at that time. And then of course the trial all night, just on and on. I mean, I guess we can recount it now. But I took during that week I took more time. I took you know, and I, I sort of tried to live it in real time. I didn't really stay up all night Thursday night like they probably did. So maybe one day I'll do that. But thinking of the trial, thinking of the events of that that morning on Friday, the the scam of a trial, really, thinking of him being beaten and mocked and and nailed to the cross. It was just really meaningful to me to do that sort of in real time, as it were, thinking how the the sky turned black and there were earthquakes and people came out of graves and the temple and the temple, the curtain was rent from the top to the bottom. Um, just what a monumental piece of history that was. And it just made it more tangible to kind of kind of feel it in real time. And then the the long wait. Sometimes Friday to Sunday doesn't seem that long, but that one seemed long, and I'm sure it seemed even longer to the people who really lived it. And then the the utter relief of Sunday morning or whenever it would be that you would have heard that, that Jesus was actually alive, maybe to see him <clears throat> appear to you, to see an angel telling you why are you seeking the living among the dead, to have him join you on the road to Emmaus, to have him show up in the in the upper room to know that Jesus is alive and it just got me thinking that you know we celebrate Easter maybe and then Easter becomes kind of over after a while now I'm not saying we're all horrible at this and we forget about Easter but I think to an extent we let it lessen in significance and it just occurred to me Easter was the beginning the first one when Jesus rose from the dead that was the beginning of life from that point on, abundant life is is provided to me, is offered to me, to everyone who knows Christ. Um, everything in me is free to live, and that doesn't go away. That doesn't get old. And I kind of, so a few weeks after Easter, I'd still been trying to think about this, and people started saying to me, as as they do during this time of year, so when are you done? When are you finished? When is this semester over, right? When are you done? I'm a teacher, for those of you who don't who don't know. I'm involved in the school. And uh, so that was the question. You know, that's a popular question. When are you going to be done? When are you going to be finished? And it just started to irk me. I mean, and I don't have any... If, you, if you're one of those people who asked me that question, it's fine. It's a normal question. But it started to irk me because I was thinking about this Life began at Easter, and life goes on, and life does not stop. And we get so involved in, when is this over? When are you finished with that? When does, you know, when is this deadline? When does that stop? Whenever the most important things don't stop. And our growth closer and closer to the Lord and to one another and our experiences of his grace and him pouring out his blessing upon us and him guiding us, those things are never done. And so, you know, I'm sure no one who <laughs> no one who asked me that question probably thought this way, but the way it hit me because of what I was thinking was, 
I don't want to be done. What do you think? I'm just going to stop school and then then I get to be a, you know, a hobo and do all kind of crazy things that don't actually help me. Of course, I know that's not what they meant. But for me, it was like, the question shouldn't be, when are you finished? The question should be, what more now are you stepping into? What more are you receiving from Christ? What more is coming? And that is such a beautiful question to me, a, a beautiful mindset. Because this pursuit, you know, this pursuit of, like we've said in previous podcasts, of our souls becoming like a watered garden, that doesn't go away. That doesn't go away. This I'll read from, from Jeremiah 31 again. They'll come and sing together in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord. And their soul shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. I will satiate the soul of the priests with fatness and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Those things that were um, offered us because of the work of Christ, they don't go away. Being satisfied with the goodness of the Lord, your soul satiated with his abundance, that doesn't, that only grows. And it's so beautiful, I think, to think about. And now the eternal nature of that concept is kind of hard for us to wrap our brains around, at least it is for me. Um, it can even be a little scary sometimes to think about never-ending life. But the th- I think the root of that is is the enemy who... what What is the enemy all about, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. Various forms of, of ending. And that's... You know, we experience it, a lot of that in this world. But think about some of our most treasured stories. Well, think about first... What's the most popular ending to what we would call a good story? Happily ever after. And that doesn't mean their story ended. It means the part that we can tell or that we have time for right now or that is you know, important to us right now is over. And life kept, kept on being beautiful and amazing. And there was newness to it and freshness and beauty that was satiating to the souls of those people in the story. Think about Lord of the Rings, right? At the end, it's not like... There's not loss and destruction, really. You know, there wasn't still kill and destroy at the end of that movie. No, what happens? The elves and Frodo and people... Okay, spoilers coming if no one knows. <laughs> but anyway, they get to go to the Grey Havens, to the, to the Undying Lands, to what? Continue living in a way that is fulfilling to the human soul or the hobbit soul or the elf soul, whatever you may be. Just a few more just to spark our imagination that that like the story gets better after the story kind of thing. Think about um, even a sad movie like, like Gladiator and at the end there's, there is some loss and there is some death, but the ultimate story is he gets reunited with his family and they get to live as life was meant to be, unhindered by the evils of of their world as they knew it. I think about Paralandra from C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, how that the 
the evil, as in most stories, is, is finally overcome and cast out. And now the world, in that story, now the world gets to begin free from sin. And there get to be, you know, animals and plants and people and songs and stories. They get to proceed unhindered. I think about, I actually wanted to read some of the, the very end of the Narnia series. Again, spoilers, so <laughs> if you don't know some of these, maybe skip forward a little bit. But after the characters here have literally seen the world of Narnia end and the earth there become no more and they've been received into you know what is heaven or the everlasting kingdom and the figure of Christ Aslan turns to them and he says this which I just love you do not look yet so happy as I mean you to be Lucy said, we are so afraid of being sent away, Aslan. You have sent us back into our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? Their hearts leapt and a wild hope rose up within them. There was a real real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over, the holidays have begun, the dream is ended, this is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them... It was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And that just fills my soul as I read that. I love it so much because it's true that's when greater life will begin and we can say yeah the best is yet to come so then i think the question becomes what about now you know is it am i right to feel that wondrous life is coming in the new kingdom but you know this right now right here this is this kind of rough it's kind of horrible sometimes. There's a lot of pain. And and am I right to uh, think I just need to kind of hunker down, you know, until this one's over? And I would say no. I would say absolutely not. When Jesus was here, it says he went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And I think a lot of times when we preach the gospel, what we mean by that is that we preach... Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He, he lived here as a man. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He makes a way for eternal life. And that is the gospel, and I don't encourage anyone to not preach that. But I think there's more that Jesus was talking about. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. That that I just described is like the door to get into the kingdom of heaven. And as boy, it's really, really important. 
But the kingdom of heaven itself is what's on the other side of the door. It's the things, it's the way of life, it's, it's the eternal life, like we've been describing, that comes whenever Christ makes us new, whenever Christ makes us a new creature. And the kingdom of God, you know, will come in greater fullness. But Jesus also said the kingdom of God is within you. And when he came to bring us abundant life, that didn't just mean after we die. He came to place the kingdom of God within us so that we can experience all of its grace and its goodness and its beauty. And the Bible says, of course, that in Christ we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. We have everything we need. We are satiated like that watered garden. Our souls can be made full and made whole. And so back to the question, how do you feel about the phrase, the best is yet to come? I hope you feel like it's coming when Jesus returns, because that's certainly true. But I also hope you feel like it's available today and tomorrow and next week and next year and in this season and the next season. Because the grace of God is is poured out on us abundantly. And we can have that expectation of grace. We can expect that we haven't yet experienced all the goodness of God. And that there will always be more. We can, you know, we could list a million things, but we have we haven't yet experienced our deepest, most meaningful relationships. We haven't yet experienced um, even the deepening of the friendships we already have. We have new friends to make. We have more closeness with God. We have more laughter to experience. We have more peace ahead of us. What's ahead of us? More of the glory of God. More beautiful evenings. More sunrises. More um, special times with those we love. More delight. More adventure. More goodness in us, more goodness around us, there's more. And that, I think, should be our expectation. The expectation that walking with God through this life will get better and better and sweeter and sweeter and more of the goodness and the sweetness that we've already known, there will be more. And I think when we start to adjust our focus and realize that these graces will never stop flowing. The river of life doesn't stop. I used, I used to always wonder, how do rivers just keep going? And there's there are reasons for that. I think I've mentioned before this struggle of mine. You know, rain and glaciers and stuff. But the river of God keeps flowing from him. And so when we, we begin to have this mindset that this river of grace will not stop. I think one of the beautiful things that happens is that it takes away the pressure for perfection. It takes away the pressure to say like today or this event or this thing I'm working for, like it has to be up to my expectations and produce the kind of joy and the kind of of blessing that I know that it should. But when you realize that Grace is just going to keep coming and more and more goodness is coming from the Lord. It takes away the pressure and actually allows you to enjoy 
those things more actually allows you to be in the moment and probably do a better job at whatever it is you're you're doing and to enjoy it more and i don't mean we can now become flippant and we can you know relax so much that we're not doing our best that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying the pressure for today to be the best to be you know overwhelmingly amazing um is different i'm not going to say it's really less but it's it's different because there will be more there will be more goodness to come and so i'm not saying you know totally relax i think hustle is a virtue but we can also relax and work with the lord and find his goodness step by step day by day and we don't have to wait for the next season to do that so this is kind of a preliminary conversation and I hope to have more on these topics. I know I've sort of opened a lot of cans of worms here. But I want to encourage you to to think of the things that there will be more of. Just spend some time thinking of the things that won't run out. Because there are temporal things in this world that will run out. Most of them bad, some of them neutral. But think of those things that you love now that won't run out when we get to the kingdom of heaven. And so that's just one of the ways I encourage you to come and drink of the river of life, which is available to us, available to us all. And I look forward to, to bringing more conversations on these, on these topics.